This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. This week's guest, Jamie Hope, is a GoBundance Women's member. She's a doctor. She is an investor, a businesswoman, an athlete, and everything in between. She's local to me in Michigan, so I've heard legends of her. So I'm really, really excited to have her on the show. Jamie, welcome. Well, Jamie, thank you for having me here today. I'm really excited. I've listened to so many of the great guests that have been on this podcast, and it is an honor to be included in the ranks. Well, any anybody named Jamie is good with me. So I think you're the first. I don't think I've had another Jamie on now that I think. Oh, this will be fun. The Jamie and Jamie show. I think right. we can take this on the road. We <laughs> Very possible. <laughs> Very possible. And a reminder to everybody, of course, please, if you're wondering about this whole GoBundance experience, go to GoBundance.com, man, woman, millionaire or not, and apply at GoBundance.com for membership. And we'll make sure we sort you into the right spot. So Jamie, let's start with a little bit of backstory. So I gave you a, a whole bunch of uh, things you could start with. Doctor, athlete, all in this this bio of yours is ridiculous. Give us the, the story of you. Where do you, where, where are you from and bring us up to now? Oh, okay. So let's go in the way back machine. So I'm about 10 years old and I am jumping on a trampoline with my BFF Erica in her backyard. Now, Jamie, this is long before the days of safety nets, There wasn't even that blue pad around the edges. It was like trampoline, rusty springs, hard ground. I mean, we might as well have just sprinkled some broken glass around it and just completed the whole picture. Why not? So as we do, we are jumping with uh, a teenage guy who is much bigger than us. And as it happens, Erica and Ben hit the trampoline at that exact right time that creates the big bounce. So Erica went flying off the trampoline onto the ground and of course, immediately started screaming. And so I slide across the rusty springs to go save my BFF. And I noticed that Erica's elbow was not pointing in a direction that elbows should point. Hey. I know, I look at your face, you're horrified. And I'm, I'm like, like approximately 10 years old. And I'm looking at that thinking like, what if we put that back the way it's supposed to? Like, I wonder if I pull on it here enough. Like in my head, I'm thinking, how can I fix, how should I fix this? And of course, Erica, being the wiser of the two of us in this moment, yelled, no, you idiot, go get my mom, <laughs> which in retrospect was clearly the better choice. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it made me real. I don't even, I don't know where Ben went. I think he just ran away. Um, we, it made me curious. And I was actually frustrated with myself that I didn't know how to help her. So I went to the library. Yes, kids, I'm older than the internet. And started checking out books about first aid and stuff like that. And I got really curious. And then when I was old enough, I took a first aid class at the Red Cross. And I remember learning it. And I remember thinking the way the teacher was teaching it, well, I would like to do that. So I knew from a pretty early age that I was both a healer and a teacher. So I started teaching courses, unofficially, of course. They don't generally let, you know, young teenagers be the official instructor, but I got to go help assist. And I was like, how can I take what I'm clearly naturally good at and turn that into a life. So fast forward into my uh, teenage years when it's clear to me that I want to apply to medical school. I want to do this. I certainly had a lot of people discourage me along the way. I'm first generation college. 
And there wasn't a path easy, easily laid out in front of me. I had no connections. I had no particular advantages, uh, but I wanted to do it. Uh, one problem, I was not a particularly healthy eater. Now, I never struggled with weight, but that was a gift of genetics and a teenage metabolism. But if I could best describe my teenage diet, it would be Cheeto-tarian. Like That's that. not great. That is not great, Jamie. Yeah. So as I was learning, you know, the science and cellular biology and all those things and all this, what, what the foods we eat and the actions we take do to our body, I realized I should probably make some changes. So I went through my own healthy habit journey, got into medical school, rocked it out. That was hard, um, but excellent. And then now as a physician, so I not only treat people at the bedside, I'm an ER doc at one of the busiest level one trauma centers in the country. So I'll see you on the worst day of your life and help you. And the rest of my career, my business, my business career is helping people upstream so they never end up on the worst day of their life. So that's, you know, the quick arc of how I got where I got. Love it. First of all, where'd you go to medical school? Are you, were you a Michigan person, Michigan grad? Oh, Michigan State, yes. I am a Spartan, which yeah. is awesome. Um, yeah. Excellent, excellent medical school. And uh, I learned a ton. I'm really grateful for the opportunities I had there. When did when did the, so medical school, is a, I mean, that's just, that's a, that's a lot. It's a lot. It takes a lot of time, energy, money, all of it, right? It's, oh, it's, oh, yeah. I have six-figure student loans. <laughs> right, right, right. So so you go through all of that and, and then eventually you build the business side of it. When did you know or when did you start to think, you know what, I'm going to build this, you know, like you said, the 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 teaching part like you have healer and teacher i love that you know yes. who you are when did teacher come in like was it always in the plan or did it did it kind of morph into teacher after you after you really got into the healer mode you know that's hard because again there was no clear path laid out for me there are plenty of physicians and myself included who teach in academics so i teach other medical students i teach other residents but, and, and that's great because if I teach them, then they can spread it out to their future patients. So there's a good arc to that. And I love it. Yeah. But I also love teaching the patients directly because mm-hmm. let's be honest, some doctors suck at it, like for real or terrible. And so I wanted an, a way to reach patients directly. So it was always brewing in my mind. I remember I was in high school when I told my grandma, I'm going to write a book someday. And she lived to see the book become a bestseller. Um, and she passed recently. So I'm so glad that she got to, she asked me for a signed copy. How cute is that? My little grandma, she's like this tall. It was the sweetest thing. Um, so it was always there, but I had to create my own path because everyone's like, if you want to, you know, if you want to speak, you have to be an academic. And I said, well, I'm going to go speak to entrepreneurs. What is the point of making all this money if you're going to die doing it? Like if you like my slogan was, you, if you can only be killing it in business for so long if you're killing yourself to do it. And you get a little side eye from people like, oh, you're going outside of academics. Yes, I'm going outside of academics. Yes, I'm speaking. I'm volunteering at Senior Citizens Club and speaking to civics groups and speaking on stage at big entrepreneurial events, like big ticket events, because my whole goal and my my dear friend, Brianna Greenspan, who's the author of Miracle Morning Art of Affirmations Coloring Book, laughs at me in a, in a loving way. We're dear friends. She says, you are the only person I have ever met that is actively trying to put themselves out of business. And I am. That's true, right? That's true. And that's that's the criticism of the medical profession, not the profession itself, but big pharma, the whole nine, right? Like, you know, the idea is, you know, we there's so much money in the treatment and, you know, why why get to the root of it? Because the money's too good in the treatment side of it. So, yeah. Yes. What if, yeah, what if we do all the right things upstream? 
And and so you don't have to be there. That would be so great. What are some of those things that you talk about doing some of the right things upstream? Give me give me a few examples of that. What are some of those examples? So I talk about the pillars of health. So imagine you imagine a table and everything that you hold dear in life, everything, your career, your family, your hobbies, your body, your happiness, everything is piled on top of this table. Yeah. And supporting this table are four legs. And I choose these descriptors intentionally. Nourishing food, energizing exercise, restorative sleep, and stress release. Now, you knock out one of those pillars, and the table will still likely hold up. It's going to be a little wobbly, but it'll still hold. You knock out two things, are going to start falling off. And you consistently don't support your table with those pillars. You There's no way you'll be able to maintain all of those things that you love, and things are going to go. And they say, you know, the person who is healthy has a thousand wishes and the person who is unhealthy has only one. So let's work on those pillars. And so that's where I start with people, because I think that's the most important thing. We have to have that foundation, but we don't want to just do this, you know, the the 30 day fad diet or the yo-yo or New Year's resolution and then quit. We got to sustain it. That's what makes the difference. So, All right. The question then becomes for me. That all makes sense. Nourishing food, energizing, energizing exercise, restorative sleep, stress release. That makes makes all the sense in the world. Is, yep. is the struggle in the education or is the struggle in the motivation? It's in both. So in the first thing when I'm ch- chatting with somebody, whether it's you know a high-end client or a patient, is find out, is there a knowledge gap? In many instances, there's there's some knowledge gap, but particularly in nutrition, because there's so many fad diets and ridiculous BS out there. It's hard to know because there's one one camp saying eat only vegetables or you'll die. And this this camp is saying eat only fats or you'll die. It's very confusing. And the real answer is somewhere in the middle. And also the real answer is it varies based on your genetics and your goals. Right. So, you know, assess for knowledge gaps. I, I really think there, there are some ways to make it clear. It's like cigarettes. At this point, everyone knows they're bad for you. You're just making a choice. Like it actually says on the pack, it'll kill you. No one's surprised. Like, oh my God, I didn't know this. I thought they had vitamins in them. Um, so finding out where that gap is. And so for, for food in particular, I explain to people, uh, you break it down into two very, very simple things. I'm so sorry. <coughs> uh, we're both struggling with uh, with some some respiratory issues. On yes, this, uh, the, the Jamie and Jamie Club are doing our yeah. best. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it in my voice for sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. So we look at food and we have all these emotional baggage and names around it, like sinful brownie and guilty pleasure and cheat days, all this really negative stuff that makes us kind of want to retaliate and eat more. Like, oh, I'll show them. Sure. If we take the weight of all those emotional words off of food, and look at it in one of two ways. I break it down. It's this simple. I, I like things very simple. Food is either nourishing or entertaining. Period. Broccoli, nourishing. Cheetos, entertaining. There you go. Now you look at your ratio of nourishing to entertaining food. If your ratio is at least 70% or more nourishing and 30% less entertaining, you will start to see significant improvements in your health. Now, it might varies a little bit. I tend to be a 95-5, sometimes, you know, kind of depending on, on the situation, but it's, it's part of my goal, not everybody else's goal to eat that, that nourishing. And it takes away, because you know, as a healthy person, that entertainment food is part of what you're allowed. So instead of a cheat day or whatever, all this drama, people are like, oh my God, I ate a brownie. I'm so bad. I'm like, okay, settle down. You didn't rob a bank. Like, you ate a brownie. It's, it's part of your ratio. Look at your ratio and calm down. So I think, you know, assessing the knowledge gaps, 
finding out where we have the, like, take the rocks out of the backpack with some unnecessary baggage. And then once those knowledge gaps are filled, then it's all about the motivation as the word most people use. And I'll, we can talk about why that's not the best one. And then sustaining. So th- then it's the creation and maintenance of habits. So that's where we go next. Gotcha. And we'll touch on that. I want to get into creation and maintenance of habits. But um, the the 70% ratio, is that caloric intake? Is that quality of food? Day? What, what do you mean quality of food? Like quality, Because if you just go by calories, if you eat a huge serving of broccoli and then one tiny brownie, if you're the calorie isn't going to balance necessarily. Uh, yeah. So, but if I eat a meat, like, you know, if I had, you know, sauteed veggies and chicken and avocado and nuts, you know, as a good, like that was like the most of my meal. And then I had a little something afterwards, like this healthy meal compared to this little thing. I'm fine. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to understand the ratio. So, all right. Yeah. Let's get to to habits. What's the what's the 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 tripwire for people as far as installing the habits that they need to in order to execute this? Yes, and that is that is so key. Habit is something that we that is sustainable with low cognitive requirements. Like imagine you're about to brush your teeth. Pick up a pen, Jamie. You got a pen on your desk there, right? right Imagine you're about to brush your teeth. Okay, hold this like it's a toothbrush. Which side do you start on? I use my right hand. Uh, This side. Every time, right? Every single day. To have it. You don't even think about it. Do you spend hours anguishing which side of your teeth you should start brushing it on? No. Absolutely not. So so taking something that when you were little, you had to learn and you were probably like poking your eye and getting your teeth and brushing the dog, you, you learn a habit and then it becomes out of your cognitive load. Sure. So when we first start, it is, it's a, it's a choice that we have to make. We have to work it into our lifestyle and schedule. Otherwise, if we try and do it separate from who we are, it's not going to work. So everybody wants to jump straight to like, oh, Dr. Hope, what's the what's the right healthy diet? What's the right healthy exercise? And I was like, slow down. I could give I could give it to you right now, but you're not going to do it because you haven't done the, the pre-work to get to that thing. So we start with what is your why? Why do you want to do this habit? What motivates you? And I, again, I don't love the word motivation, but that, that deep, dark secret thing that's going to keep you going because patients will tell me, oh, I want to improve my cholesterol and whatever. I was like, no, you don't. You don't sit at home agonizing about your cholesterol. That's crap. But what I hear is I had a patient have, um, was on an airplane and had to ask for a seatbelt extender mm-hmm. and the flight attendant yelled to the next deck, we need a seatbelt extender over here. And he was like, and that's the day I changed. I had a patient who said he, because he had a beard and everything in public in the summer and a child said, look, mommy, that's Santa Claus. Mm. He's like, okay, that's the day. Or a mom who, you know, couldn't run around with her kids and keep up with them and was embarrassed because the other moms could. And when they had the parent teacher conferences and they stick adults in those little chairs and her butt got stuck. Mm. It doesn't always have to be an embarrassing moment, but it has to be something that you really connect with. The why has to be greater then the barriers you're going to come up against. And we're going to talk about barriers. That's one of my favorite parts because that's where most people fall off the wagon. So I I have an exercise called 12 Reasons where I have people write down, pick one habit, not all of them, because your reasons for one habit are going to be different than the reasons for a different habit. So pick one habit. And so for the purposes of this exercise, we'll use exercise. So originally, so if your goal is to exercise 30 minutes, three times a week, that's 156 workouts for the year. Okay, so that's your goal. What is your why? So write down 12 reasons. And those first few are going to be like, because I want better cholesterol and blah, blah, blah. But then it's going to be like, because I don't want to die before I get to see my kids walk down the aisle. Because I don't want to be wheeled down the aisle. 
because I want to see my grandkids. You know, I, I don't want to get my butt stuck in a chair because I actually had one person. She came in so motivated because somebody else in her office got skinny and she didn't. And she's like, that V word is not going to be better at me than anything. Listen, your motivation does not have to be like, like positive. It doesn't have to be complimentary. It doesn't have to be to save the world. But I tell you that that motivated her and she stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. My father did the same thing. His brother got skinny. And I was like, you're going to let him, him out skinny you. And suddenly he got skinny. Yeah. He yeah, doesn't have to. Again, but yeah. <laughs> and you don't even have to tell people what it is, but you have to know deep down what it is. Like it can be something if you were in sixth grade, you'd be like hiding it while you write it on your paper, but you got to know it. And you have to revisit that a lot when you come up against those barriers. Do I want to sit here and eat 60% entertaining and sit on the couch? What's my goal? Or, or do I want to, is my why stronger than the allure of that? And am I going to meet my goal? And then by all means, go sit on the couch. That's fine. Yeah. So getting really connected with that is step one. Okay. That makes sense. Um, let's, let's continue down the path. Cause I have, a, I have, these, you're making me ask questions about you here, but I want to finish this. So barriers, <laughs> going to barriers, you mentioned barriers for a moment. Where, where do we go with that? Yes. So we actually have a special barriers exercise. I'm going to teach everyone. It's magical. I'm not, I'm not even kidding, but we're not there yet, but wait, there's more <laughs> next step because we, before we get to barriers, we got to get there. So we have, what I call, don't mind me, I would have had these prepared if I was busy uh, doing my workout. What I call the name tag effect. You guys know these. It is these like red, hello, my name is, stick on name tags that you wear at conferences and other things. First of all, whoever invented this was a bald guy because my long hair eats these within three seconds. <laughs> so, but still, you understand the point. Hello, my name is. Yeah. Here's a truth about human habits, human neurocognitive, behavioral, everything. How you view yourself is how you will act. Mm. How you view yourself is how you will act. So if you are wearing a name tag that says, hello, my name is Chocoholic. Hello, my name is Diet Failure. Hello, my name is Couch Potato. Hello, my name is whatever. How you view yourself is how you will act. So when you get your New Year's resolutions, yay, and you start changing, brain is like, uh, excuse me? We're a couch potato. What on earth are you doing? What's happening here? And eventually, as we know, you go back to that. So before you can find one right magical diet and exercise program and work on your barriers, this is your first barrier. How you view yourself is how you will act. So this is some time where we do some personal unpacking. Some of these name tags were given to you by people in your life, whether well-meaning or just straight up mean. Some of them were given to you by society and some by yourself. So you really have to take the time, journal, anything you need. Like what name tags are you wearing? And then what are some positive ways that you can change it? So I've worked with a bunch of other people. And like, like it, this happens a lot in women in business. Jamie, you work with a lot of successful women. We are called bossy. I am the boss. I literally run an ER. I'm the boss. Like, I'm not mean. I'm not bossy. I'm the boss. If I were a man in the same position, they'd be like, this is a boss. So, you know. Are we assertive or are we aggressive? So like, there's, there's some things to peel off. But the thing is, your brain needs to know who you are. How you view yourself is how you will act. Who are you? And so I remember once when I said I, I wasn't a runner. And my husband was like, you have shoes, you have legs, you're in great shape, go run. Like, what, 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 I don't understand the barrier here. And I was just, I had this name tag that was like, not a runner, no idea why. Sure, somebody told me that at one point and I just believed it because... Unfortunately, when we're younger, we tend to take in more of those messages. So I 
peeled off the name tag, threw on some shoes, went out for a run. I'm like, hey, look at me. I didn't die. Cool. Well, I'm a runner now. Awesome. But the name tag, it can get very confusing for people. And so as you're peeling off those other ones, if you're not sure what to do, you can borrow mine. And it is, hello, my name is, I'm a healthy person. Notice I did not say skinny because I, you can get skinny doing nothing but donuts and mess. Like skinny is not always healthy. I am a healthy person, a healthy person who eats a ratio of nourishing to entertaining foods. That means as a healthy person, I eat entertaining foods. It's not robbing a bank. It's part of my healthy person ratio. As a healthy person, sometimes I've had a stressful day and I just need to chill on the couch and watch TV. Do I do that every day? That would not be healthy. So anytime I'm making choices, I'm looking at the bigger picture of the day, the week, and the month. Am I making choices a healthy person would make? And if the majority of the time I am, I am rocking my name tag. And how you feel yourself is how you will act. That's step two. Is so for the New Year's resolution, is it is it safe to say, is it safe to say that people are trying to do something like a diet? Uh, an exercise program, a regimen versus trying to be someone. So yeah. you're, you're saying you need to be someone, which makes yes. total sense. Go ahead. Looks like yeah, you're no, no, you're, you're, you're totally right. And they're, so they're going straight to the action. They haven't done the why they're still wearing around the same old name tags. So now you're dragging extra weight. So here's the thoughts about new year's resolutions. Cause this is one of my favorite things to talk. Everybody's like, I resolved, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to get more organized. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit drinking. But my favorite all-time, old-timey motivational speaker, Zig Ziglar. We love some classic Zig, right? Yeah, he's great. He said New Year's resolutions are really more like confessions. I confess I need to get more organized. I confess I should stop smoking. I confess I should drink more. Because a dream without a plan is a wish. That quote is from Anton St. Exupery, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. Um, and so here's how people set New Year's goals. So they have intentions. You know, some, they have sometimes specific stuff, but they have intentions like, I'm going to get healthy which is phenomenal. That is the intention. That's your North star. That's your guiding light. So that's, that's your, so you've got your confessions already. So, you know, now you have your intention, which is great, but then they go straight to outcomes. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. That's an outcome. That's a lagging indicator. That is not an action. You can't just stand here and like lose 20 pounds. The, the, the giant gap in the middle we're losing is what action steps are you going to take to, to get from your intentions to your outcomes? And that's what I focus on with people. That makes sense. What for you right now, I talked about a lot of different titles that you have. Like what, what are your name tags? What, what are some of the name tags that you have that you've had to create? You mentioned a runner. That's one example. But what are some yes. things today that serve you? Um, so I, I deemed myself an athlete. I wasn't necessarily the best kid in school. Um, but once I started like wearing an athlete name tag, I started trying harder. Isn't that funny? And I got in better. What way? In what way? And I wanted what, to practice more. What areas did you get better in as an athlete? Is it just running or was it something? Well, just in general, like, so for volleyball, for instance, I remember in early, early I think it was junior high tryouts. Uh, on the first day of tryouts, I was good, but it was clear that other people were better. Mm. And so instead, like I should have, what I should have done was like go home, buckle down, practice my sets against the wall and come in super motivated the next day. Like, yeah, I'm gonna. And instead what I did was I went in the second day and completely half-assed it, like totally. Spoiler alert, I didn't make the team. Um, but I told myself if I had really tried, I would have made the team. And, you know, I don't have time for a Nike sponsorship this week and, you know, blah, 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 excuses. I thought I was protecting myself from rejection. But what I was really doing was preventing myself from getting what I wanted. I didn't view myself as an athlete. 
And then so once I flipped that switch, I broke my hand playing volleyball as an adult. I was I dove for that thing so hard. I came off my pinky was going this way. Everybody else on the court's about to barf. I pop it back into place. Um, and so it's just it's that switch. So I've got I mean, I'm doctor, leader, administrator, educator, mom, daughter, friend, wife, you know, like all those things. And but but I put descriptors with them. Like I, I am a nourishing mom. You know, how am I nourishing their souls? Am I, I've learned to say instead of, you know, don't do that, like don't run, say walking feet, please, because you don't hear the don't. So, you know, putting in the positive, you know, praising the, the effort and not the person, you know, pre, you know, talking about the mistake is not who you are. It's some one little thing that you did, you know, try, try to be, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Trust me. Right. Um, but so I, you know, I always try and put a descriptor, but I, the, the biggest one I wear most of all is I am a healthy person. Okay. So with that said, do you ever, and this is the, the transformation part for me. And I know I've struggled with this because I, I completely yeah. resonate with what you're saying. I, I, I talk about this from a standpoint of, um, of, uh, uh, if you were to be knocked out today and I wake you up and you have no recollection of your past. And I say, you were a Navy SEAL you would act as if you're a Navy SEAL. You would do things that Navy SEAL yes. do, right? Versus yes. if I said, no, you were a gym teacher, then you would do gym yeah. teacher stuff, right? Like right. it's your way of being versus doing. Okay. So absent being knocked out, comatose and brought back with no recollection, which would be kind of nice actually in some ways, right? As long as everybody's okay. Like, hey, yeah. this is who you are. Go, go be it now, right? Right. Teach me a few languages while I'm unconscious too. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Get it all downloaded, right? But so you talked about, you know, being an athlete, for instance, do you ever, I mean, do you have moments where you are exactly not that, where you oh, are? Yeah. You, so what does that look like and how do you overcome it? Because I think that's the biggest, like, I, I think of uh, the resolution comes to mind or any change somebody wants to make. Okay, I get it. I'm going to say that I, I'm going to put on the name tag that I am a healthy person or whatever it might be. Um, and then I start doing that, right? And then I get to this, you know, whether it's uh, uh, upper limit, if you read the big leap or, or, you know, whatever this thing where you say, Oh, I've, I've had too much success and I'm going to sabotage it. Right. <laughs> when have you not been an athlete or I don't know if you can think of a specific time, but like when you do, how do you overcome that? How do you maintain the course so that you are still today, that athlete that you maintain status with that name tag that you don't tear it off? Do I have a great example of that? Um, I love sharing stories about mistakes I've made and dumb things because I hope it helps other people. I have like, I, I take my job very seriously, but I don't take myself seriously at all. Sure. So I'm at the gym, like feeling pretty good. Like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm rocking this. Get on a squat press machine. I'm fine. I'm pushing it. Great set. Feel fine during the whole thing. Get off the squat press machine. Can't walk. Ooh. Just straight up back went out. And I was like, what is going on? Like, so I didn't feel it during the sets either. There was no, but I got off the machine and I was like, Oh my God, I can't, this is really bad. No red flags that needed emergency surgery, but I was like, this is BS. I'm hobbling like I can barely get out of the gym. It hurts to sit in the car. You know, I got a lighter derm patch to throw on there. I take some Motrin. I do it in heat. I'm doing ice. I'm like, this is garbage. I was like, but I'm healthy. This will this will heal. This will heal. And it it, it took, it, it takes longer. You never want it to take, you want it to be fast. I'm like, but I'm, I, my brain says I'm fine and, and everything else. And so what I did, uh, like an idiot, because doctors are terrible patients, was after a few days, even though it was still hurting, I was like, maybe if I just push harder, it'll get better quicker. Again, spoiler alert, it did not. And it set me back additional weeks. Then I finally decided, what would an athlete do in the case of an injury? If you want to eventually end up back in the game, would I continue to jump on a broken ankle? 
because I want to get back in the game. No, I let I have time to let it heal. Okay, I am an athlete with an injury. What can I do? What can I do today? Not much. I can walk around the house. What can I do tomorrow? I can go for a mile walk. I'm like people like with walkers are passing me, but damn it, I'm doing it. The label is still there. I still am who I am. But what, what an athlete does, they allow themselves to heal. Like Olympic athletes, when they get an injury, they don't, you know, they, they, they're prime specimens, professional athletes. So, so it didn't take that away from me. It was that I had to revisit what would an athlete do in this unfortunate situation. And then you can still keep holding on to that name tag. Cause otherwise I could have, and I see this a lot. I could easily take on the name tag. I'm a chronic pain patient. And I, that, I even saw that one come through the air at me and I was like 50 shields. No, I'm not. Nope. 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 I'm not doing that. My back feels fine. Feels fine. I still do my PT. Cause I can tell like, if it starts getting a little achy, I was like, Oh, PT time because I'm an athlete and I'm a healthy person. And I am not, a, I'm not doing this. I have the same exact issue. My low back pops out once a year. It feels like it'll pop out and I can yeah. feel when it's going to go. I go to a chiropractor. I just sort of, you know, get, get manipulated yep. a little bit, something just to keep it from, from going. But uh, it, it happens from time to time, unfortunately. And it, it, it does. It's just like any, any label, anything's going to happen in life. And that's why we need to know our barriers. Yeah. That's such a powerful thing. I love what you're saying. There's a great process in there, right? And so state what you are, you know, mm-hmm. give yourself a name tag. Uh, and then that question of what would what would an athlete do or what would whatever your name tag do? And even I could see, and maybe I don't know if you you feel one way or the other about this, but but having a name, maybe somebody that you really admire in that specific field, like if there's a super mom that you yes. think is the best mom, like your own mom, like what would my mom do here, right? Or yeah. athlete, what would Michael Jordan do or whatever it might be, right? Like I could see where using that would be a, a powerful tool. Yeah. And you're kind of messed up. Like I'm a nourishing mom, but sometimes like every single morning before school, my kids wear shoes. This is not a mystery. This shouldn't be a surprise. I don't know how it still continues to be every single morning, but you know, I'm like, Hey guys, okay. Time to get your shoes. Your shoes are in the same place. They're always at. Get your shoes on. And by the 18th time and you're running out the door, you're like, get your shoes. You're like, Oh, that wasn't nourishing, but that was also real. So, and then you're like, okay guys, I still love you. So let's talk about how we can get our shoes in a timely manner or set a time. You know, you just, you just got to keep rolling, <laughs> keep rolling with it. All right. So you've got a lot of name tags. I'm yes. curious how you keep a level of sanity given. I mean, an ER doctor, that is not, that ain't for the faint of heart. That's not a, a, a 10 hour and you're running the ER. Am I, am I correct? Yes. So I'm, I, I do both clinician work and administrative work and we do 10 hour shifts with no break. Wow. And then give me some of the other things that you're doing. I know, I know you're, you know, obviously you're in GoBundance Women, so there's an investment yes. angle. There's, you've got the speaking career, you've got the, the, the coaching, all of this stuff. What are some of the other things that you're doing right now? So international professional speaker, best-selling author. Um, I do some high-end coaching um, with, with private clients. Unfortunately, everybody's like, can I get referrals? I'm like, no, because everybody comes to me with word of mouth and they're all private because they don't want anyone to know that they want the coaching specifically that I do around resilience and imposter syndrome. So nobody wants to share that. Um, so, um, so I do all of those things. I'm getting more into the survival space, not the like doomsday prepper kind of thing, but how to survive just regular stuff. And it came to me when my dryer caught on fire and I made a little TikTok video, how to not die in a dryer fire <laughs> in three easy steps. So, so that's been a lot of fun exploring that. I'm working with uh, a company on that. Um, but also, and then, you know, opening this brand new ER that actually just opened on June 1st. That's the one I'm running. So that's exciting. But 
doing other stuff. So I, you know, I continue to write, I speak, I put out content and then I invest because in GoBundance, one of our pillars are passive income. I can only, to put it, you know, as we say a little crassly, I can only sell myself for so many hours a day. You need a break. I need to sleep. I need to see my kids. I want to go have fun. Um, so I have, I have passive income. So I have, I don't have time to do the full active real estate. I love all my sisters that are hustling that. What I love to do is give them money and have them make me money. That's all, like I'm a truly passive in that. I don't have time for a fifth job to learn real estate. So I'm invested in a single family housing group. I'm invested in self storage. I'm in the cannabis space. I'm in the retail space. And so you take the hard earned money you do that you earn, and then you let your money earn money for you. And I'm even leveraged against, like I have a non-direct recognition whole life policy that I'm leveraging against and paying 3%, I'm making 15%. I mean, why wouldn't I? And I'm doing, like anytime I'm making money while I'm sleeping, it just, it helps you sleep a little bit better knowing that you can have choices. So I, I want to continue working as a physician. I know a lot of people in GoBendance are can't wait to quit their W-2 job. I love treating patients, but I also want to have more control over my schedule and do it on my time. And so that that's part of the benefit. Sometimes I want, I'm like, hey, let's take a month off and go to Grace. Why not? Yeah, yeah. If you If you had to choose between coaching and speaking versus being a physician, which one would you choose? Ooh, that's a tough call because so far I've still managed to do all of them. <laughs> <laughs> is there um, one you love more than the other? Is there one that you feel like a true, you know, like an energy ra- rise for more one more than the other at this point or no? Not yet. I think they all feed each other. If I was doing only one of them, I think I would be unsatisfied. Makes sense. Because I'm happier in my physician role knowing that I'm doing other things and helping the world in other ways. And I'm happy when I'm helping the world in other ways because I know I'm a physician and I have the knowledge and the skill set to do that. Yeah. I just talked to a guy on the GoBundance men's side worth 50 plus million. Amazing guy, incredible story, right? But he, uh, like most of us, struggles with this sense of of uh, you know he's not enough. So you mentioned the word imposter syndrome. That's, right? that's the that's the people that come to me. The not enoughness, the imposter syndrome, and stuff. That's those are the type of clients I talk to, and that's why nobody nobody shares. I don't even put that on my website. Makes sense. Well, who? I'm just curious. Who? At what point does somebody feel like they need the coaching or? I feel like most people, if not everybody, has some level of imposter syndrome. If they have any ambition whatsoever, especially, Oh, absolutely. Because right? I mean, if you're scrubbing a toilet, you don't have imposter syndrome. I feel like just about anyone could do that. But it's right. every time you go up a step. So it, it depends on how big the hole is. If you can throw $50 million in the hole and it's not full, that's not, the, that's not what you're trying to fill it with. Mm. So it's figuring out what is going on underneath. It's this it's the comparison itis. It's the shooting. It's the it, it's part of it is the name tag effect. There's a lot of different components to imposter syndrome, and that's very satisfying to unpack with people because even though somebody is he's obviously extremely successful by taking those rocks out of his backpack, then he can have it in a leadership role. Like, hey, I felt like this. It's those people like Sheryl Sandberg and Meryl Streep um, and Ryan Reynolds that have a level of achievement that we can admire. When they come out and say we have they have imposter syndrome, it gives the rest of us permission to say, you know what? Sometimes I don't feel like enough either. And so that's that's the private coaching. I, do, I would love to private coach and you know nutrition and health and stuff. I just only have so many hours in the day, so that's what I do public content on to help people. But the private stuff is to have those they're they're deep conversations. I'm not a therapist; it's not counseling, but I know how to help people get through that. And it's just it's a personal conversation. Are there any themes? From, an, from you know overcoming imposter syndrome or managing it? Are there any themes that you see emerge from people that you've coached in the past or just observations you've made with others? 
Oh, absolutely. It always starts in childhood. Always. Mm. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs have childhood trauma. Yeah. Which I, I know some entrepreneurs that are incredibly successful and they even joke they're unemployable. They couldn't, they could never work for a boss because they, they're just, they have too many conflicts and stuff, but they're able to channel their energy and skill to a business. But then they are going to get that plateau at a certain point. And how you can get through that is to become enough. Because like if $50 million isn't enough to make you feel good, a hundred million dollars isn't going to make you feel better. It just isn't. But what will, like what is, and when, at what point did you start feeling like not enough? And let's start filling that hole. The hole is there. Pretending it's not. Like there's some type of counseling like, oh, you're fine. Or the whole rest of the world is like, you have all this stuff. You should be fine. Well, that's ridiculous. That's, I mean, there are people who are living at the, you know, near poverty that are perfectly happy and content. It's not about that. Even lottery winners, they say, even after all that money, they go back to whatever their pre-lottery form of happiness was. So we don't fill the hole with that. What do we fill it with? That's the key. And for some people, it, it's after a certain point in financial success, a lot, like just about everybody I know, all of my clients, everybody, what they're missing is that sense of purpose. Because like they could just walk in, like, come up with an idea, blink and make $10 million. I would love that skill. <laughs> that would be great for my student loans. Um, but... <laughs> But so, yeah, it's it's a it's just asking some deep questions. But I talk to people about, you know, you got to overcome the comparisonitis, the shooting, the name tag. I've got a whole list of stuff that we go through. For the entrepreneurs you work with, I'm always curious about this. I look at myself. I've, I've used this term lately for me as an unnatural entrepreneur. So I am a guy who quit his W-2 in his 40s, making, you know, a few hundred grand a year or whatever um, yep. and, and went the entrepreneurial route. But I don't have the stories of, you know, ah, when I was 12, I started mowing lawns. And then I noticed that if I hire five of my friends, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't have those stories. I just never had that that inclination as a kid. Right. That wasn't me. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so I feel a bit unnatural in that regard. That's one. That's and a name two, tag. That's imposter. Right. Right. Exactly. And then two. Yeah. That's a great point. Two is uh, in that entrepreneurial journey. You just mentioned it was trauma. That word is heavy. Yes. That word is big. When you say trauma center, you think, oof, arms are coming off trauma, right? Do you see trauma in entrepreneurs? Like you said, the ones that you, that you work with, you've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs, you see them in abundance women and all that stuff is trauma, um, uh, as heavy as it sounds all the time. In other words, is trauma, you know, physical abuse, emotional, incredible, emotional, like the stuff you read about in books that would make you cry. Or is trauma also like, does trauma have to be that heavy for somebody to, to, to have imposter syndrome and, and, you know, grow into an entrepreneur, if that makes any sense. So go for yeah. it. No, I totally know what you mean. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know an entrepreneur, he was like, he had a hundred thousand dollar business hustling clothes out of his trunk when he was in high school. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, you know, in cheerleading volleyball, like I was doing none of that. I was working right. at Taco Bell. Um, so yeah, that's, there's different types of entrepreneurs, but you are an entrepreneur because you started a business. You can drop the label off the top. Yeah. Um, but yes. So what we do is we do this trauma comparison. So we hear about somebody who, you know what, there was this woman on stage, she was kidnapped and held hostage in right, Somalia right. for hundred, like hundred, like a year and a half and I, like horribly abused. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, who am I to be having a bad day? That's not fair. But then right. I hear somebody else who are like, oh my gosh, I was, you know, I, I stubbed my toe or, you know, my car broke down and I had to call to play. And, and they're, they're like in super struggle. And like, this is so traumatic. And I was like, well, that doesn't even sound like a problem. So we look at people. So we're right in the middle with where we know our trauma is. 
And we look at people who have had what we consider less trauma than us. And we're like, well, they don't deserve to have, they don't deserve to be stressed. And then we look at people that are, have more trauma and we're like, we don't deserve to be stressed. But here's the thing. That's ridiculous. So trauma can come in all forms. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal, you know, like all of those things, but also neglect. Like those times that you reached out for love and didn't get it. The, the bullying, the, the humiliation, those things, those are traumas. And so it all depends on the, how it was received, how you've processed it and stuff like that. So just like comparing ourselves to other people, this comparisonitis with trauma is ridiculous. Now I had like a, you know, a brief example. Um, so a good friend of mine, Amy, she was, when she first got pregnant, she was sick, like, you know, not no, nausea, morning sickness, whatever. And she was on shift and she threw up a couple of times and she was miserable, but she was still working, like did fine. I was so sick with vomiting when I was pregnant. I had an IV going from my arm to my heart and a feeding tube going from my nose into my intestines. Does that mean Amy doesn't, that didn't, doesn't get to de- deserve to feel miserable? Does that mean hers is fake? It wasn't real. Okay. Mine sounds pretty bad though, right? Okay. My friend Hannah's vomiting was so bad. They had to install a surgical feeding tube into her abdomen and she vomited so hard. It came up through her esophagus and out her mouth. I know. Sorry to gross you out, but does that mean mine didn't count? Does that mean mine's not bad? Yeah. No, no, not at all. Wow. But that's, that is pretty bad. (laughs) That's pretty bad. Yeah. All three of us gave birth to healthy babies. Now compared to somebody who gives birth to a healthy baby that then passes away. Does that mean all of ours is invalid? So there, there's always going to be somebody who has had less trauma than you. There's always going to be somebody who has more trauma than you. The key is what was your experience and can you use it to fuel you instead of hurt you? And it's something like every everybody needs to be in some type of therapy. There's a lot of addiction in entrepreneurship, whether it's sexual, whether it's workaholism, whether it's substances, whether it's retail therapy, you know, all those things, because that's how we deal with trauma. Um, but there are healthier ways to do it. It's un- unpacking those rocks out of the backpack and don't, it, don't feel like, oh, my trauma wasn't enough. I don't deserve to get help. Think of how much lighter you will be without that. And then you can reach your hand to help somebody else. This that comparison is thing is bananas. That's amazing. That's a great, I've never heard anybody talk through that in such a clear way before because the, the, it's exactly right. Tra- the trauma comparison piece I know it stifled me. Like you said, it's less, less. I mean, I'm sure I do, you know, somebody who has less trauma than me that I look at them like, ah, what do they have to complain about? But the other way, for sure, when I hear about, you know, I overcame 30 years of addiction or, you know, I was abused by my my grandmother. Yeah. Oh my God. I, my mom said some things she didn't realize were probably not helpful for me, I guess. <laughs> right. Like, like I, I had nothing that she was trying to do, but it just, I took it a certain way and that created trauma, but it feels yeah. so like I can't even. I can't See, leverage right. that, you know, like like these big stories. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's because they and they, they were imperfect at the time. My, my mom and I have worked through those conversations. She's like, I was a teen mom. I was doing the best I could. And I was like, I know you were, right? Um, but but that doesn't mean it didn't, you know, things don't affect me. It's still, it's it's still really hard. And so somebody might take a look at your life and they're like, oh, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're healthy, you're attractive, you've got a nice family, you're successful. How dare you even be sad for a day? And that's offensive and hurtful because it invalidates our feelings because we have, you know, everyone's like, oh, I would kill for your life. Okay. That doesn't mean every minute of it is a unicorn farting glitter. (laughs) And and we need to accept that about ourselves and we need to accept that about each other. If I could get rid of a disease, comparisonitis would be in my top five. 
Yeah. By the way, a unicorn farting glitter would be a, a very bad life, I think. You ever got <laughs> glitter on you? Glitter, it's just, it doesn't stop, you know? Oh, glitter is the herpes of the craft world. Yeah. <laughs> it never well, goes away. Well said, exactly. So if you have a Touch. unicorn farting it, I just, I, I don't, yeah. I wouldn't do it. Let's see Yeah, I have a 10 year old girl. There's a lot of unicorns going on right now. A lot of unicorns. Tell me a bit about Tell me about the book. You, uh, you you mentioned it a bit ago. Tell me about the book. What did you hope to accomplish with it? And what do you what do you uh, continue to look for, forward to with this book? So I wanted it to be achievable, to, to just say, you know, change and become a healthy person overnight. It, it seems very intimidating. So it's all very action-oriented. I have four avatars in the book, hopefully trying to find people that you can relate to, like Bill, the busy business guy, you know, Sarah, the you know, the, the working mom, um, you know, the the older empty nester, the older guy who has some knee problems and is a little bit curmudgeonly about doctors. So somewhere in their experiences, you can find what, and we go through each of the, first we start with the name tag and the why, and then, then we walk through the journey based on each of the pillars. So there's the nourishing uh, food pillar, energizing exercise, and how can that look? But I get really specific into goal setting because again, like a goal setting. So you can't say, because I, I say get really specific and they're like, I specifically want to lose 20 pounds. Nope. Remember that's an outcome, not an action. Okay. I want to work out 156 times this year, three times a week, approximately for the year. Okay, great. Then we tell, you know, the smarter goals, the who, what, when, where, why, how I'll kind of breeze through some of this. Cause I know we're running up on time because I really mm-hmm. want to talk about the barriers. Yeah. That's, that's the part. So you, you write your, your specific, your who, what, when, where, why. The reason I like saying 156 workouts per year rather than three times a week, because one week, something's going to happen. Your car is going to break down. You're going to hurt your back. You're going to get sick. Your kid's going to barf all over Like you're, and if you say, okay, I didn't get to work out three times this week. I'm a failure. I'm going to quit. I'm out. All right. Yeah, that's so true. But the next week, you can do four to make up for that one that you missed. Like, print out a blank piece of paper and do 156 checkboxes or get an app. There's, a, I promise there's an app for it. Whatever you pick there, I promise. It'll ping you with annoying reminders. There is an app. So I like having a goal set like per week, per month, per quarter, per year, not because you've got it like life is going to happen. And this, this, this activity is my life is going to happen activity. Mm. And I encourage everybody to do this. I do this with every goal I set. I, I practice what I preach. So I pick a specific goal. So let's use the 156 workouts thing. And I do step one, which is get your either get on your blank uh, Word document or get a pen and paper and set a timer for five minutes. It must be a minimum of five minutes. And you are going to write down every single thing you can think of that'll get in the way of this goal. Works for financial goal, everything. Okay. So for your 156 work, every single thing. You could hurt your back. You could sprain your ankle. Your car could break down. Your gym could be closed because of a pandemic. You are bit by a dinosaur. You get abducted by aliens. By the end of the five minutes, you're going to be coming up with some really crazy stuff. But you got it. You have to keep going. Everything, everything that could go wrong. I have to admit, in years of doing this, I never did predict global pandemic. So for whatever that's worth, yeah, well, five five minutes. But I had like all the things listed. Ever everything I could think of that, including. I don't feel like it today. Mm. Like, that's like, I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> or something, but like, I want to sit on the couch. You know, these are real barriers. So just yeah. be, be real, be yeah. real with yourself. Like I did, my gym clothes were in the laundry and any excuse, whether, you know, how important it is or not, like stick them off minimum of five minutes. And then you'll think of more eventually and just keep adding them to the list. Okay. So that's step one. Mm-hmm. Now here's step two. You don't set a timer for this because it, this is just like off the top of your head. So next to every single barrier you listed, 
you are going to write one or more things you are going to do when that happens. So if it's, I hurt my back, I am going to take a week off and get let my back heal. I'm going to go do exercises and low impact exercises in the pool. I am going to do upper body curls in a seat so I don't protect my back. I'm going to go to physical therapy. So now when you hurt your back, you have a plan. Ankle sprain. I'm going to do upright rows. I'm going to do PT for my ankle. I'm going to do stuff in the pool, low impact activities. I'm going to take a break. You know, so all those things. You're like, hey, I got bit by a dinosaur. And I'm like, well, you know, running from a dinosaur, it counts as cardio. So you don't lose anything there. Like that is legit. And then if you get abducted by aliens, you go straight to their leader and ask where their Peloton is because you know everyone has one. Yeah. Nowadays they do. Yes. So, and so that way you're prepared. And what that does, and so what you all don't know is I just created a neurocognitive loop in you. I just, I just implanted something into your brain, just like the aliens. Although I prefer brain rather than the route aliens seem to take. I have no idea why aliens seem so interested in our bums. Um, so thank you. Thank you. By the way. Yes. <laughs> Every time you set a goal, you open the neurocognitive loop. What am I going to do when something goes wrong? Okay. Loop is open. Ready to close it. And then you're going to train your brain. Here's what I'm going to do if that thing goes wrong. So you will start to, it's a pathway. Every time you sled down a hill, the snow gets deeper in that thing. Every time you use that pathway, I still encourage you to write it every time because there's that something different about writing it out. But every time you set a goal, your brain is going to be like, and not in a negative way, here's all the things that can go wrong because you want to achieve this goal. You've got your why and your name tag already. And then the, uh, then the loop is going to say, and here's what we're going to do about it when it does go wrong. Think of the difference that can make in your life with anything. It works for all goals. It's it, it's it's so it's simple. It's straightforward, and we can do it. But especially at the beginning, I still write it out just because I'm I'm so used to doing it. Write it out, and then close the loop. Keep it handy, and then on the day you're like, I don't feel like it. Then you're gonna go look at see what you wrote down, and you're gonna be like, oh. <laughs> but it's there. Twenty minute exercise. No, I mean that's not a huge undertaking to go through. <laughs> It's not. It's not that hard. And you don't have to have any additional like knowledge or equipment or anything. It's just you either have to have a piece of paper or a word document. And it's 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 that simple, but it works. I like I like simple, straightforward things that work really, really well. Amazing. So the book is Habit That, how you can help up in just five minutes a day, correct? Yep. That's on uh, Amazon. I'm sure you can find it anywhere for that matter. But um bestseller, a bestseller. So we gotta all check that out. That's great. Wow, yeah. I'm going to wrap this up with the GoBundance card game question. Um, oh, I'm because... excited. He he flipped through a few before he picked one for me. So I'm really <laughs> curious to see what this is going to be. <laughs> yeah, we do with this one. So if your five-year-old self suddenly found, I'm sorry, if your five-year-old self was suddenly found inhabiting your current body, what would your five-year-old self do first? Oh, geez. <laughs> that is so funny. Probably you Full adult, but a five-year-old is different. Oh, yeah. No, five-year-old me, I for sure would have gotten some Cheetos and went and jumped in the pool. No question. I didn't have the healthy habits back then. There's a whole Cheeto theme here. You even worked at Taco Bell, I heard you mention in there. Was that was that kind of a, a through line? They had the Cheeto taco at one point. That was, a, that was before my time, but that was my first W-2 job. And it helps keep me humble because anytime I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty successful lately. And then I just remember like, girl, you scrub bean pans at a Taco Bell. Settle down. You're fine. Under. Ponderosa for me. That was my. Oh, yep. See, you know, I've done all kinds of jobs. I've worked my way through school. I know I know doctors who went straight from, you know, mansion to medical school to their next mansion. That was not me. 
Right. And right. I, I think those things help keep us grounded and keep us keep us humble. So that I, I actually keep post-it notes about those things right here. I love it. I, I still practice that, <laughs> things that I learned in the restaurant in my day-to-day life for sure. You know, clean as you go is one of them. Clean as you go. Yes, these are these were actually good skills. My boss, I was making four twenty-five an hour. Yeah. And same. at 15, and then they made me a manager when I was 16 because I was the only one that showed up sober every day. Right. So there's that. And then he offered me a raise to seven twenty-five an hour if I didn't go to college. Big time though. I politely declined. Yes, yeah, big time. Seven twenty-five? That had to be around 95, 94, or somewhere in that range, right? No, that was not like 97-ish. 97? Uh, I was getting yeah. my years mixed up. But. Listen, I mean, whatever. It's the late 90s. We were all wearing flannels and weird, like, That's choker right. necklaces and all blends. That was big money back then, right? Yes, it was. You turned it down just to be a doctor. I know. What a weirdo. What was strange. Anyway, Dr. Jimmy Hope, thank you so much. How can people reach out, learn more? Where do you want them to, where do you want to direct them? Social media handle, whatever you'd like to, to send them to. Sure. On Facebook, I'm just Jamie Hope, but everything else, I'm Dr. Hope Health because my parents spelled my name the less typical way, the J-A-I-M-E. And so nobody spells it right and nobody can find me. So that's why I went with Dr. Hope Health. Uh, It's really hard to misspell Hope. (laughs) I always get spelled my name, J-A-I-M-E. I know it's J-A-M-I-E, but people always misspell my name the way your name is spelled. It's so bizarre, but it's funny in Uber because if I'm anywhere, especially in the Southwest, the Uber yeah. will say, drop off Jaime on the left. Yeah. And so they come to pick me up and they're expecting a Hispanic dude. And then there's a little white girl. And I'm like, no, it's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I thought I I thought your spelling was feminine. Mine was masculine. That said, I used to get a ton of Miss Teen USA invitations when I was uh, a kid because of you my name. Miss Teen I should have showed up hair See, out of I my mis- I could have been Mr. Latin America USA. Right. We missed out. <laughs> we did. Uh, if only we knew what we know now. Jamie, oh, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate this. Oh, th- this has been great, Jamie. Thank you. <laughs> that's it for this episode, but be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach and give as much value as we can to you on a week to week basis. Be sure to go over and check out gobundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division if you're in that one to $5 million range or our champion division at 5 million plus or on the women's side, GoBundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast and you'll learn all about what this whole GoBundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon.